I need to find some more Beach Boys like this. You know, there's only a few songs that are like, like experimental. Well, this is Beatles. Brian Wilson doing doing his stuff. Well, right. I yeah. mean, well, that's it. They're mostly Brian Wilson things, like um, well, Love and Mercy. I love that song. Yeah. Is it Love and Mercy? Peace and Mercy? I'm not sure. I think it's called Love and Mercy. You know, this and sounds like that, but uh, this is probably like the best. Beat like like musical but not poppy Beatles. I, I never knew this song existed. I'm like I'm digging this. Yeah, I, I found about this just recently. I was like, this is great. I, I you recognize the Beach Boys sound, but you're also like, this is doing well, something. It, it sounds like there's a little bit of uh, Sergeant Pepper or White album in here too. Yeah. It sounds like I've heard some of the Beatles and I'm trying to do something a little less popular but more experimental. Mm-hmm. Where's this from? This is from uh, Smile, which is also where Good Vibrations comes from. Really? Yeah. So, uh, 1967. So that's actually predates Sgt. Pepper in the White Album. Huh. Yeah, that's, that's like some of the best Beatles I've heard. <laughs> it's not Beatles. Oh, it's just Brian Wilson? No, it's Beach Boys. Oh. <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I meant to say Beach Boys, but I said the other B band. It boggles my mind that Good Vibrations is on the same album. Well, I mean, like, you know, the reason why I hated the Beatles for so long is because all I ever heard was their poppy shit. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the reason why people dislike the Beach Boys because you know all they hear is just the samey, samey poppy shit. And this is a song that you know has that start, but then goes into some good stuff. And also, I mean, it also is catchy and interesting. And you know, it has that. You know, Brian Wilson was the musical. He, he was the John Lennon of the Beach Boys, and then it got taken over by what's his name, uh, the other dude. I don't think I could name the other Beach Boys. Um, but yeah. So th- this is actually sort of a, this is more of an alternate cut from what it, from what you're saying. This one that I played because it looks like this is the official version of Capitol Records release of the Beach Boys' long-awaited "Smile" modified to make it sound like how it would have been in 1967. What is this? This is uh, Love and Mercy. This is the Brian Wilson song. This sounds kind of Billy Joel-ish. With the synthesizer. This is, this is the... different. Yeah, this is different. Well, this is not the version that I'm thinking of. Just the one that Amazon Music found on for me. This one sounds any better. I was sitting in a crummy 
Yeah, this is the one that I've... I don't know if you like this one any better, but this is the one I was thinking of. The remastered version. That's bullshit. Do you want to drink anything? Mm. Hold on, Brett. I want to get some of this acetone out of my mouth because I'm still tasting that. From from the... From this one? Yeah. It's still stuck in your mouth. Yeah. Holy shit. So you like the Nihilist. I'll just take some of the Day Blazer one. Okay. Because it's inoffensive, even though, even though I, you know, it, I don't think it's very good. So it's your go-to beer in the post show, though. Well, I, to get an acetone flavor <laughs> out of my mouth, yeah. Uh, okay, so what else interesting is happening? Trying, let me. Uh, it's hard to think of things when Trump's in office, man. He's kind of dominating. That, that's why like, I'm not concentrating there because I, I want to. I, 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 I mean, I don't want to be fucking. He dominates. Maybe I'm in just focusing on it, but I, mean, I think that's, that's the thing is I'm trying not to. I'm trying not to yeah. focus on it because it's 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 just gonna make me upset and depressed, and yeah. it's not, not worth it. Um, so I had an interesting discussion with with a friend of mine about whether science is a religion. Okay, I can uh, get behind that. And because this is something where ten years ago, even five years ago, I would have jumped in and said, "Of course not." Now I'm not so sure. I mean, it depends on. It I think depends how you on religion. well, it depends on how you cut religion, right? Yeah, because you could cut religion in the the skeptic is going to kind of load the term with without verifiable evidence or something like that believing in it regardless of evidence but I don't think that has to be part of it doesn't you don't have to cut it that way you can cut you can reasonably cut it in Mm -hmm. a way that is the I'm trying to figure out the words I want to use mm-hmm. here, but yeah, no, something no, roughly it. along the lines of. I want you to finish your thought because I'm, because I'm on. I, I want. I want to hear where this is going because I'm. I, I'm right. interested. Right. Yeah. So I'm kind of inclined to calling science my religion because it is the defined set of things that best explains. The world to me. Yeah, I think that's a that's a pretty good way of putting it. I so here's what what I was thinking was there. So there's there there's a there's a context to, to thinking about all these things, but for most religions there's tenets there's truths there's you know there's a holy book in a sense there's not really a holy book of science there is a tenet though there is something that that science says experimentalization well science says effectively there is a reality that exists right there is some Mm -hmm. reality that exists and the second thing it says is that Reality is not trying to trick you. There is, it may be inscrutable, it may be not understandable, 
but reality is never attempt is never trying to lie to you. Trying, yeah, purposely trying to lie to you. Uh, and that's sort of a tenet of science, right? Because experimentation would be useless if, uh, for 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 the purposes of science, if right, if, if nature was like, let's fuck with this guy, right? right. And he, okay, so he he's done this test ninety nine times, right? And it's turned out positive every single time. Last time, let's make it false, negative, just. Just for giggles. I mean, effectively, it means that there is... If there is a consciousness of some sort behind reality, then it's not trying to lie. Otherwise... Okay, so here's an interest. Here's but, something. But I don't think there is a consciousness. Right. I, I think part of... It doesn't have to be consciousness. What if... What if, you know, we're working on this whole science thing, but nature proves to be, like, not determinate, not testable, like... Maybe this gets into quantum... Well, I'm, not, I mean, I'm not even trying to get into quantum ta- uh, phenomenon. I'm trying to say, like, you can imagine a universe where it's not testable, right? Where there's so much fluctuation that you can't get reliable results. It, uh, you, you can you can imagine a situation where things are in such uh, flux, flux meaning change, effectively, that, that nothing can be nailed down. Um... And that's why we, you know, we try to isolate our experiments from mm-hmm. other sources. It's the whole point of having control and other stuff like mm-hmm. that. Uh, but, but that's part of the the process of the scientific method is to try to isolate your experiment as far as you can, so that you don't have influence from other things that would be causing the, uh, the, the these fluctuations. Uh, but. Can you imagine a situation where the laws? I mean, what are when we talk about laws of physics? What we're talking about are, we should say, descriptive laws, not prescriptive. Right. So there's I mean, stuff that kind we of a, have determined. This is how reality well, it's, works. It's a framework to, or armature that we've. Right. Well, you've built your test on because the, it's a foundation that has proven to been stable and solid. Yeah, I mean, there are. Like it would be easier to overturn something like relativity than it would overturn something like thermodynamics. So, I'm, I mean, I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I want to close a point real quick. And yeah. so we talked about like, is science a religion? You need to deload the term religion. You know, you could say, is science a foundational belief structure? Is yes. religion a foundational belief structure? And we would argue that that religion that Christianity is a sufficient foundational belief structure but we could also say in today's culture and you know state of human evolution that it is a plausible foundational belief structure I mean yeah there is something though that science does that as far as I know no other religion does and that's build upon itself sure uh, in, in, in and by what by that I mean multiple different uh, regimes can can be very far separate, and then turn out that they're uh, they can be used together to make new things. Like satellite archaeology, that's a totally mm-hmm. new type of science that can be made just because the fact that 
there it is. You know, you have satellites, and we know archaeology, and now we can use that to to find these new things we never would have. Found it's such an oxymoron, right? Because yeah. you think of archaeology, you think of like yeah. toothbrushes and dirt, mm-hmm. and you're 160 miles above the Earth, and you're taking pictures, and you're able to do like the same kind of work. Yeah, radio astronomy. You know, th- mm-hmm. these things are just these things combine together parsimoniously. Mm-hmm. Which doesn't happen with religions just split and skew and turn into multiple. Well, right, but you're you're getting back into that ten years ago trap that you talked about to begin with, right? It's you're 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 loading. I'm not trying to be a religion apologist here, but you're you're loading. Well, no, I'm still going with the I can accept science as a religion, but I think that it's a different kind of religion than other. But religions. you have to you have to define what you mean by religion. Right, and to me, it is like I like I think I said it fairly well just a few minutes ago. It's a foundational belief structure, right? And and, and like I said, those those that I did say the foundational two things that I think that science mm-hmm. you know has, which is right. one, there is a reality that exists, and two, reality is not trying to lie to you. Sure, those are as far as I know, that's foundational. And then there are things that are built upon that. There are sort of first principles. You don't have to get so primary with it either, though. I mean, especially when you're talking about uh, deity religions, right? Right. You know, they don't get so primary with their, you know, in. Well, no, I I think if you distill it down, I think you do. If you distill it down to first principles, what are what is the key? What are what is the bedrock? So the comp the, the 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 thing that is. The same with science and all the deity religions is an effort to explain what you're right. observing. Right? Your reality is what you're observing, you know, it's an effort to explain how we got here. Right. What are But we... I mean there are religions that would say that this reality is not real. Like mainstream, like yeah. big time religions? Well, uh, um, Buddhism, for example, is not necessarily convinced that this well, is... Well, Buddhism is like just super optimistic that there's like a lot more like, if your life sucks today, don't worry is about it because you're going you're to come back as a chrysanthemum. And is it a religion? Well, it's religion. That's what I'm saying. Reality is not foundational to Buddhism. This reality in Christianity is, mm-hmm. is okay. a subset. So reality of... is not foundational to Buddhism. Good point. So you now you have to, but it's still a, it's still a, a method to explain our situation, right? Everything yes. is a method yes. to explain our right. situation. And, and I think maybe that maybe that's vague enough to talk to to leave the current observable reality, you know, as yeah. a variable, right? But, I mean, science doesn't necessarily say that, that this is the only, re- that the reality that we're experiencing is the only reality. It just simply says that <laughs> it's the only reality we have access to to explain currently. Right. We have the ability to explain. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, and not even say reality, but our situation, the situation, right? You know, because like with Buddhism, and I'm not a Buddhist expert, mm-hmm. but, you know, with my super ignorant understanding of how they believe in reincarnation you could say that you know it's not really reality but the situation at the moment or something like that and but that's you know if you 
until you know in five seconds when I think of a better way to describe it. For me, it's like you know across all the planes. I guess, I guess that makes including it, science. That makes a good point, right? Because that would be that's still reality to a Buddhist, but it's just not the kind of reality that you that that a scientist would say it's reality. Right, but, but that would still say, be a reality. But if you say it's situational, yeah. right? You know, the current situation. Yeah, so maybe I'm I am a log right now. And I can't wait to be reincarnated as something living. But okay, so like a <laughs> solipsist would not would not say necessarily that there's a foundational reality. What's that? A solipsist. Solipsism means like the 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 concept philosophically of solipsism is that you really have no uh, concept of what reality really is because you could be the easy way of putting it is you could be a brain in a vat. And reality is a construct made around you. So, but so, right. So you know, I'm actually but, staying away from the word reality because of those loaded situations. Where if you yeah. say your current situation, the thing that's apparent to you, mm-hmm. when you're a brain in a vat in the matrix, what's apparent to you is what you're experiencing. Right. Right. Uh, the science, I wouldn't say rejects the brain in the vat situation so much as says we can't answer it. So. We're going to treat what we experience as real. And right. I, I guess hey, that's kind of where I fall another, back to the things. Another thing you... about science, sorry, another thing about science though is that I guess this is another foundational thing. You and I experience enough of the same shared, have enough same shared experience to say that we are to communicate to, to be able to communicate effectively. Mm-hmm. Like you exist as an external thing from a scientific perspective. You are not possibly a figment of my imagination you are actually i, I think that i think that's i don't, I don't know what that's maybe you've been science, having like that's... the best dream ever and you've like you've seen me like every seven days for that's the last still my years. reality i mean like yeah, like yeah. if if i'm a brain in the vet then my reality is still my reality and science yeah. is still the best guide no. that i have to it i think and and so that's why i'm trying to get to like what is what is foundational to science yeah i mean that that's kind of that's kind of where I've landed, right? It doesn't matter to me what's beyond the starry dome, uh-huh. and I'm using a reference to Copernican, mm-hmm. you know, astronomy. You know, but there's a starry dome. Right. I'm using it more metaphorically, but you know, there. I get what you're saying. No, I get it, yeah. I'm talking to the listeners at home too. But there's there's something beyond the starry dome. But you know, I've said this many times. A long time listener of the post show should know where I fall. And it's like. If we can't observe it, it doesn't matter. So, you know, to take this back to traditional religions, if God, is this, crap? this is more Brian Wilson stuff. This, this is not. This great. is. You know, I turned it down because like this is like scratchy, annoying. But we can. I can stop it for sure. There, it's done. Uh, let's see. If there's anything interesting I could play. Or if you have anything else interesting to play, please do. I can't even get logged into my computer. <sighs> I'll play some Pink Floyd for this? Yeah, sure. Alright. Uh... Dark Side of the Moon, man. Alright, let's do it. Let's play some Dark Side. I haven't heard that album in a while. Am I up? You're up? Alright, should be playing. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, let's go. Uh, I was making the point before Brian Wilson's bad songs got too much for us. Uh-huh. It was, you know, it doesn't matter what's behind the curtain if you can't test what's behind the curtain. Right. This is the Russell Teapot thing where 
Is there, if I say there's a teapot orbiting Venus right now, we have no way of saying whether it's that's true or not. It's implausible. So, it's implausible, but that doesn't mean it's not true. But yeah. does it matter? No. So there's no reason to assume that it's true. Uh, there's 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 is reason enough to assume that it's false, I suppose. Because why would there be a teapot? But it, even if it was true, if we have no way of knowing or, sh- or showing that to be true, then who cares? Mm-hmm. Is is like what you're saying, right? It's like it it's it's effectively meaningless whether there's a teapot or not. That that's the thing that helped me to kind of make the leap from agnostic to atheistic. Mm-hmm was that at first I was maybe there's a non-interacting deity out there that I can't test for live and let be right who cares Yeah. and then when I you know learned more about the scientific method and stuff it kind of forced me down the atheistic route where there's no evidence for it then you have to assume that it you can't account for it if there's no evidence for it. Yeah, I mean, I think that the the theory that tells you that predicts nothing is exactly equivalent to the theory that whatever that is you're predicting doesn't exist, and therefore, why should you care about it? The reason when I was in my agnostic phase, it was it was really a cultural thing. Right? Yeah, it yeah. was like a everyone believes in this thing. Here's how I reconcile their belief in this thing. And then, so like, oh yeah, there can be a god out there, but I don't, I, I strongly believe he's non-interacting. But then that that's the same thing as a non-existent. Something that doesn't interact yeah. with anything is the same thing as something that doesn't exist. Well, yeah, when I got to the point where like, it, he may or may not exist, but if he's non- non-interacting, then it's equivalent to not existing. Yeah. And and that you know that's where I've been for a while, but you know it, was, it took a while to bridge that, and it was really a cultural, social, mm-hmm. because of all of the in, indoctrinations. Not the right, that's a loaded term, right? But all of the stuff that I have learned in my experience, socialization is probably the best socialization. Yeah. yeah, yeah, all the socialization that I had, and the cultural experience, you know, the cultural miasma, I suppose that you're in, right? The, right. The, uh... Well, I was, I'm like this picture of reality doesn't jive with how I feel so let me let me step back and come up with a new picture of reality that jives with how I feel mm-hmm. and the first phase was sure there can be a deity but he doesn't sure. interact you know there but, could be invisible pink unicorns that are powering our muscles but so what <laughs> you know and, and, right. unless we can detect them it doesn't matter it doesn't matter and, and you know when I came so to, any, yeah. when I came to the point where I realized the it doesn't matter it is equivalent to not being there at all helped me yeah finish. I, I agree that that when when you when you recognize that it makes it makes the speculation seem so that, that's sort of why I'm very I wouldn't say I'm I'm very against like I've always been like against like string theory things like that um, I still am. I'm not a string. I'm not a guy who I appreciate what string theorists are doing to a certain extent in terms of expanding the math. I don't think it's physics. I think it's it's really bad to call it physics 
Because physics, to me, means discussions about reality. Models that try to reflect reality. And string theory is nowhere near that. String theory is math that's trying to get to a kind of situation that vaguely can be used but to... I, I, so I, I to am not nearly as well versed on it as you are. Okay. But I think they are trying to model reality. Well, they're trying to, but they've come nowhere close. It's like okay. it's like saying, okay, um, let's see if I can come up with, with a reasonable example that would that would give you an idea. Because it's it's like if someone like someone gave you someone took a street map out, right, and they showed you this. This is the standard model of particle physics. Is this street map? And then someone took out a whole sheet of paper and they drew a big square and they said well this is string theory and you say well okay well that's just a big square you say well yeah but your map could be inside this you know inside this square well yeah but what does that square imply what is that well no we don't know yet but this square your map could could easily fit onto this square and that's what they're saying that's what string theorists are saying we have this square thing on this sheet and your map could easily be you know could fit on this, right? And people are like, yeah. And they're like, well, there you go. No. <laughs> you haven't done anything. You haven't told me how that square that you drew during this giant piece of parchment, how my map comes out of that square. You've just drawn a big square. This, that, you know, I'm, I'm laughing right now because I thought the so this sounds like Greg of like eight years ago, nine years ago. I think he, him losing his gallbladder has made him lose some of his uh, tolerance for string theorists because it wasn't very long ago that we've been talking. We talked a little bit about this. No, and- I, I think that they're doing good work, but they're doing good work in math, not sure. physics. The map is a good approximation of what's going on in reality. All of our models. So- so, are good approximations of what's going on in reality. String theory doesn't have any models yet. String theory doesn't have a way to get from that big square to the map. All right. It says that, look, this map and that square are both on parchment, right? And we say yes. It's okay, there you go. So so your map must be in this big square, right? All right. All right, so, I guess in a so, manner of speaking, but but what does that big square mean? All right, so... That's hold, string theory. Okay, hold on a second here. Okay, so... I have a really good exit ramp here. Okay. Unless you want to get back to the religion science thing. And the exit ramp is talking with Allie about geometry upstairs. Uh, Which way do you want to go? I want to go to the bathroom. Okay. And then uh, I kind of want to do both, but I'm willing to... to, I I think that they both... We can can get back to the religion thing and just go on to the geometry and then get back to it. Okay. But see if you can fill up some space. We're going to have to do a tag team bathroom here because I'm following you since you're back. Hey, the alarm clock's going off. This is where the, uh, you're supposed to start Wizard of Oz, man. And smoke a big bowl of weed. Right now, when the lion's supposed to roar. So here in Pittsburgh, it is February 19th. Yesterday, on February 18th, we set a record for the hottest February 18th on record in Pittsburgh. It was like 
67 degrees or something. That was awesome. Global warming is awesome. Climate change rules, man. I know I'm going to change my tone when we have no water or aquifers and no crops and things like that. But, you know, we're humans. We like the short-term gratification. And we went on a hike yesterday with the kids. I'm talking about how awesome global warming is, man. <laughs> it's the best. Because, you know, you know, we set a record for the hottest day on record in Pittsburgh on February 18th yesterday. We did? Yeah. Uh, what, October 18th yesterday? February oh. 18th. Yeah. Yesterday. It was like 67 degrees, I think. How to stay on record? I'm sure not. I mean, you know, you don't, you don't, you don't go out and go hiking. But I mean, we took the kids out. Oh no, I was great. outside yesterday. Yeah, it was great. You know, it. It's funny because you know, I, I'm kind of a. You know, I understand that this is going to suck when there's no water in Iraq first, and we don't have any crops and and all that shit. But you know, right now you're in, you're loving the hell out of global <laughs> well, warming. being a human. You know, where we're so tuned for like getting our next meal, you know. You know, immediate gratification. Well, I mean, is, yeah, sixty-seven degrees is like my perfect temperature. I love it. So, I, yeah, this it was is... actually for me. You know, because it's also a great temperature for ticks, right? So, I was wearing jeans yesterday, hiking through the woods, and it's like it's too fucking hot. You know, for this shit. You know, I, I need to pull out my uh, lighter weight. You know, uh, like synthetic pants. Mm. You know, for this kind of thing. So I was like actually uncomfortable yesterday because it was too hot. Do you want to go to the bathroom or do you want to talk about Allie and Geometry? Uh, I'm good right now. Pink Floyd's got me chill. We started uh, Wizard of Oz a few minutes ago when the alarm clocks went off. And... Right, yeah, that nonsense. <laughs> I mean, it is. It's nonsense. It's nonsense, but come on, man. Just smoke some weed. I've done that before. I enjoy it, but still, that doesn't, that doesn't make me more susceptible to nonsense. Okay. So, Allie has started Basic Geometry. Yes. And it surprised me because I don't recall having any geometry in elementary school. Well, no, I mean, the, the curriculum has probably gotten better. The moon has got better. So she's, I mean, it's pretty basic stuff. She's doing quadrilaterals mm-hmm. and the, the special cases of quadrilaterals. Parallelograms, rectangles, squares, rhombuses, trapezoids, things like that. Uh, she's getting into angles. Mm-hmm. Uh, she knew acute and obtuse. The The... The little teaching session you had with her, I was being quiet because she was actually paying attention to. I had almost the same teaching mm-hmm. session with her like four days ago. Well, no, and that's fine. And, and here's here's the thing, like, but you know, I, but she I, I was, recognize that she she seemed like a little like out of it and not necessarily mm-hmm. totally paying attention. But that's okay. Here's here's the something example. might stick. Yeah, something sticks. When I first explained to you about I. Mm-hmm. That didn't stick right away. You, you right. Were, you're like, what, what does this mean? What, who cares? Yeah, sure. As I kept reinforcing it, now you understand it. Yeah, but you know, from our teaching session, you know, she was curious about what a right angle was. Uh-huh. So I kind of broke that up, and I talked about a circle and how a clock has sixty mm-hmm. and you know three hundred and sixty and how nineties quarter. You know, so I kind of you know, but again, a lot of that didn't stick, mm-hmm. but. I, uh, yeah, you just got you do have to reinforce it. That's what teaching is, right? Yeah, so I kind of broke up the elements and kind of gave it to her. Uh, you know, you made a really good point, and I agree with it completely. Is you know talking about understanding the right angle and the things that are 
nearly derived from understanding the right angle is some of the most important discoveries humans have ever made. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, that's it's kind of half true. The, the, the point being that all of our models are based on that. All of our very intricate models of how things work are that's... very much based on that fundamental principle. I wouldn't say I, the question is: Is that a truth about reality? Is it truth that we've constructed? The, the, that's, we've talked about this before, right? Where was is is math a fundamental inherent property of the universe, or something that was invented? Yeah, and, and I think that we both and, fall on the latter. I, I do at it, least. It, it, I, I I think so too. But you know, it's this weird philosophical thing too. It's definitely a philosophical question, sure. I, I, I don't but, you know like the right angle is you know, the way we solved a problem mm-hmm. you know well, what, I mean, like, what other solutions could there have been that work as well you know well, I mean if, if our fundamental principles of geometry didn't rely on a two-dimensional plane then a right angle may not have had the same properties right the pi mm-hmm. could be a different in different geometries pi is a different number uh, is one of the things that, that I, I remember seeing in the ask science question with somebody asked is is is, is pi yeah, how, the question was more like why why does pi go on infinity how come we can't define pi and the answer is no we can, we know exactly what pi is pi is a very specific number the decimal expansion goes on forever but that's just one way of interpreting a number the number is very specific the decimal expansion can't get it exactly right mm-hmm. so it goes on forever right. but the number itself is a very specific constant, uh, and you know you can you can do something in base pi, and that you're fine with that because it works because a number exists and there is a specific number. Um, the the point though that the, the fundamental point is that these are all just you know concepts we've invented along the way and that we've built upon, and they're so foundational to how we see the world that. It's hard to see how they aren't aspects of the world itself, but if you when you once you start to understand, for example, hyperbolic geometry, then you say, well, in a hyperbolic plane, a right angle doesn't behave the same way that it does. And if our assumptions of the universe started with hyperbolic plane, and there isn't necessarily a reason why it couldn't have, because if you look up at the sky and think of like a dome, that's a sort of hyperbolic situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if you throw something up, it only will come back down if you throw it exactly up parallel, right? If you throw something just a little bit askew, it won't come back down to you. Right. So that's sort of a hyperbolic plane situation. There's only one parallel line that's directly above you. Yeah. So you you could imagine coming up with a fundamental plane that is hyperbolic as opposed to a fundamental plane that is just Cartesian. And therefore, you could imagine coming up with a different sort okay. of math. Yeah. You know, she mentioned to you that you know she doesn't really like geometry. It's and it's it's fine, but you know, it's for me. You know, it's it's weird for me because that was the first lesson in math where I'm like, shit, this fucking, you know, like this. You're this, not her. I mean, it, but it was like, you know, in granted, I had it in seventh grade. She's having it in third grade, mm-hmm. so I was four years older. But when I had it, it was one of the first times where math was not abstract, where math was physical. Okay, but 
is it? Because you're still defining ideal shapes, right? It's so abstract. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying my my explanation is perfect, right? I mean, physics class was where I really like kicked it up to the next level, right? Because uh-huh. physics class, oh, I can describe natural phenomenon with math. You know, that's fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. But a stepping stone to get there was geometry. Yeah, and maybe I didn't appreciate it at the time, but I did appreciate that it 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 was an exciting puzzle to solve as opposed to rote memory type things. Yes. Yeah, sure. You could actually use your intuition to, to, in geometry. Maybe, maybe that's it. Um, it, it depends on how I'm trying to think back. It's yeah, been so long, yeah. but I mean, there was something different about geometry. Well, it was it, different it's from more algebra. visual, right? Cause you know, algebra maybe that's is more I mean, about balancing sides of equations. I mean, algebra is to me the most fundamental important math that there is I think uh, I had to take algebra twice I, I'm not saying that uh, that, it, that, that that means that you were, you're, that that it's not e- that it's easy I, just saying I, it's, I wasn't it's, I wasn't I was a I was not I wasn't a good student either I was not even a decent student until seventh grade in sixth grade, I took algebra. Did horribly. I, I, if I didn't fail it, I barely passed. But it's, I must have failed it because I took it. I took both algebra and geometry in seventh grade, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, and that's when I. Well, I mean, as I said before, when I was you know when I was teaching you stuff, even like even just stuff about like I, that is PhD level stuff two hundred years ago that I was teaching you. I mean, mm-hmm. and. We, we fail to recognize that, yeah, science keeps advancing and, and we keep advancing in understanding, but these are still hard concepts. Even just simple geometry and simple algebra are hard concepts that are part of an increasing amount of concepts that we have to understand to be modern humans existing in life. There's no reason for us to, to think that these should be easy. They mm-hmm. are hard. Right. You know, I just realized... It wasn't seventh grade. It was tenth grade when I had geometry. Okay, but you know, I was thinking seventh grade. It wasn't the second year of middle school. It was the second year of intermediate high school when I had. Wow, that, that's pretty late for 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 basic like geometry. Straight up geometry. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. There might have been shape stuff early, but I don't remember it. Where I had a really good geometry teacher too. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I bet like he was like top five. Was teachers. it geometry? Or was it really trigonometry? Because that's... I had I had the worst trig teacher. Okay, yeah, and that was in eleventh grade. So year because after, he was the worst. He he was he was an awful human. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, he wasn't a bad teacher. He was an awful human. Oh, that's bad. He would yell at kids. And one time, he slammed the door so hard that like dust fell from the ceiling tiles. I mean. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Um, trig is... Uh, all of these subjects are hard. Mm-hmm. They are concepts that if you really want to learn them, they take years. Years. To really get an idea of what they're saying. You can get a rote understanding right. that you'll forget. But... They take literal years of study to just get an understanding of what the basics of geometry really oh, sure. mean. I mean, algebra was hard. Geometry was easy. 
Mm-hmm. You know, for me, it clicked. Everything was intuitive. Mm-hmm. I think Trig could have been intuitive if my teacher wasn't an asshole. But it was it was harder for me. I didn't have a good teacher, right? You're going, I, I, you remember that you're doing this also when you're going through puberty. Oh, sure. You're, but I, I mean, like I said, this... a whole lot of other crazy stuff happening in your life. One of the worst teachers I had in high school. Mm-hmm. All four years. And I just had. think about how how boring something is when you're not interested in it, even now. And when you've got all these hormones, you know, I kind, I kind of, I kind of, I realized trig was like geometry, and I knew I liked geometry, so I knew I should like trig. But I just, like I said, I think the teacher really set me back on that. There's, you know, it's it's more than geometry because it's about relating geometry to something very, very abstract. These. But kind of fundamental mathematical but conceptions. But being able to use it to describe phenomenon, you know, that always. That's why I like geometry. Uh-huh. That's why I liked physics. I'm sure I would like trig if I had a decent teacher. Well, yeah, because I mean, you know, trigonometry is very important to under to, to getting to differential equations. I mean, you need to understand mm-hmm. sines and cosines. You have to. Yeah. To be able to understand how to do, you know. Um, uh, Integrations and uh, differentiation. So it's uh, there's no there's not nothing else I can say except for that it's just it's hard to do and either you care about it or you don't. Uh, And it's a shame at the time you don't realize that the teacher is the problem. You just think that it's hard. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Because like in hindsight, I should have went to the principal and like this guy, you need to get the fuck. (laughs) Get this guy well, but you're not. But you're here. not thinking about that. You're not thinking yeah. about how how important my education is, or, or how neat this yeah. stuff will be later to me when I'm forty. <laughs> you're thinking about getting laid. You're thinking about being popular. You're thinking about some vague concept of your future. Oh yeah, I mean that like. You know, there's the thing like getting your Eagle Scout badge is really hard. Mm-hmm. It's really hard for a teenager. If if you can take your teenager and get him to focus for thirty seconds a day, mm-hmm. Eagle Scouts easy peasy, right? <laughs> the hardest part is getting them to call stranger merit badge counselors to get all your merit badges. Right, you yeah, know? you know, um, it's not a hard thing to get, but when you set it in that era yeah i mean you got so much stuff to do kids want to be independent but they're not <laughs> all that good at doing it right it makes there's a lot your... to, there's a lot to learn about the world mm-hmm. and and this the science stuff unless you fall in love with it it doesn't seem that important and so you need a so you need an excellent teacher if you fall in love with it you're willing to teach yourself I didn't get to that point. I only got to that point, you know, when I was 30. <laughs> yeah. Um, but there are people who either fall in love with it or they get a good teacher. And those are the people who know the, who know that stuff. Right. Going on. But otherwise, it's, it's like any other subject. It's hard because there's a lot of shit you're learning constantly. I mean, not, and not only is school teaching you all this stuff about 
all these subjects, but you're also being taught socialization skills, how to interact with people, you know, the basics of hierarchies, the basics of what's going to be expected of you in the future. It, there, there's so much that happens that, that's being molded into someone's mind, the, the essentials of civilization. Um, <laughs> and you get to witness it firsthand with two, with, with two kids, yeah. so it's... I, I mean... And this, this is where it jumps back into the science stuff, which is that all of that science stuff is all, like I said, models. It's just very useful fictions that we've developed. Uh, they're they're not they're maps. They're not the place, uh, and they can always be overturned. But there are some things that are much more likely to be overturned than others. And like I said, even relativity is is more likely to be overturned than say the second law of thermodynamics. I don't know how you could overturn that. I, I just don't. I see that as a foundational part of reality. I don't know how someone could come up with a way to make a par- make a uh, a machine that extracts energy from nothing. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, <laughs> but it's okay. So that would be magic. That right? would well. And... I, that would that would yeah. That that would be the equivalent of magic. Yeah, for sure. We've invented things that seem like magic in the past, right? So, I mean, it would be a new, Nothing new science. Nothing that has violated that. I'm, I'm not saying I'm a proponent of it. I'm saying that... As, I, don't know, I don't know what I'm saying, but I'm, what I'm saying is you got to keep your mind open. No, my it, mind is is open. I'm willing to... And some can dem- strong, you know, demonstrate it. I mean, then, it's part, part of the other thing about science, you know, back to the religion thing, part of the other thing about science is that science is constantly saying that we don't know and that we're willing to overturn stuff if <laughs> the evidence points in that direction. You know, when, when people convert religions, it's a... Not only is it can be, it be a big news story, but for some things, it's foundational to the religious prince. I mean, like Paul in Christianity, you know, converted from a Christian hunter to the you know to the apostle of, to, to really the creator of, of what Christianity is today, and it, it's a religious thing that he did. Scientists change their minds about things all the time. Right. It's such that it's not a news story. Uh, you know, the data is just overwhelming, and there it goes. That's another thing that's different about science is it's it, is that not every I mean there it's still done it's still people who are doing it and so there are still going to be stubborn people who won't stick to it and who will also you know have crazy theories so there's not there, and there's no like specific doctrine this is science there's consensus but there's no right I mean there's doctrine. no sacred cows right there's a good scientist will go where the data tells them to go mm-hmm. they won't have something they will refuse to believe. Because it doesn't line up with their expectations. A, a pure scientist is that. I don't know of any right. pure scientist, right? Uh, but if the data is pulling me in some way, then ultimately that's going to win. Mm-hmm. For for most scientists, for almost all scientists, for, for people who are fake, adherents fake to the religion of science, they're going to accept data even when it count, even when it counters what they believe. Now, I, right, I mean, you got to be skeptical about it. you got to yeah. make sure that the preponderance of evidence mm-hmm. says that your beliefs are wrong. 
but when that happens, you have to be willing to be. Yeah, and, 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 and you are, and, and scientists do that all the time. It's, that's another thing that, you know, that's one of those things that makes science to me different than other religions. Because that's not. <laughs> there are some. There are foundational beliefs in, like, for example, Christianity, where they just simply can't be. Like, there is no way you could find a way in Christianity to say, okay, well, that Jesus didn't really exist, and. and uh. Or, or even better, God doesn't exist. Right? How can you have Christianity with, with God well, doesn't I mean, exist? That, that's okay. not Christianity anymore. Alright, but let's step back a second here. And... I mean, there could be a person who says, Oh, okay, Christianity, Christianity doesn't work out. Let me pick the another one. Is it Judaism? Or is it science? You know, you know something. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, so trying to keep it within the Christianity framework and saying that it's broken here. I, I don't feel that that's a well, valid... I, I, I'm using that test. as an example. Right, right. But I don't feel that's a valid example, right? Because you're not... You don't have to be set inside a framework. People could certainly go from religion A to religion B because that makes the next most sense for them. Mm-hmm. More so than science. And... Well, I, I think... Well, we're, we're arguing whether science is, could be religion B. Aren't we? Well, we were an hour and a half ago. <laughs> Only 40, 45 minutes yeah. ago, but it seems like I, an hour and a half. I, I don't know. I mean, I think that it's... Um, it depends how you define religion and what what kind of... Uh, how loaded is the term? Because, you know, for a lot of atheist scientists, you know, there's a certain connotation in there that yeah, yeah, a doesn't certain... have to be in there. Yeah, there are things that that... Sociologically, go along with the word that doesn't that are incongruous with with how science is done. But the concept of a core set of beliefs that are is how you interpret reality. If that's what a religion is, then to me, science fits that bill. It plays it plays differently than other religions that I know of because of things I mentioned. But science seems to fit that. The weird thing is, I'm pretty sure I've told you the story before, but, you know, when Heather and I were getting married, we got married Catholic. It was before I really got into my questioning Mm -hmm. phase and whatnot, so I was kind of just going with the flow. I was raised Catholic. Heather was... It's a socially fine thing to do. Heather was raised Catholic, you know, so let's just make everyone happy. Mm -hmm. I don't have any qualms against it. You know, a couple years later, I may have made a stand, but there was no point in making a stand. Uh, but, you know, so there was a fair amount of counseling. We did a retreat weekend at some nunnery and whatnot. But the thing that stands out really is the... Um, it's funny, the atheist couple probably has a higher... You know, we're, we're still married. <laughs> How many people in that nunnery class are, are not divorced? It would be a great thing to find out. But uh, talking with... The priest of my mom's parish. He was a pretty relatable guy and whatnot. And I didn't have. I had pretty amateurish, uh, skeptical questions at the time. But it was kind of. question. The question I had asked him was that, you know. About the it was about the Big Bang and what the Pope had said at the time or something like that, and he kind of went into you know 
Well, it was like super, super lightweight Catholicism. It was like, well, we, we believe in this mover, this this thing that does thing. You know, well, it no, was none no, that, of that's actually, that's not that's fundamental Catholicism. Actually, that that's that's Thomasism, that the, the and, and Aristotelians, the, the, the foundation. But of very different from the stuff that happens in church every Sunday. <laughs> yes, for sure. Right. So he's giving me this different version of Catholicism. So you know, at that point, I'm like. Okay, so you're molding your religion to the people, you know, to, well, each, yeah, to I, each individual. I, I, I think that foundational to Catholicism is sort of a classic theism of, of the Thomistic sense, which is these ideas of of, of Platonism, you know, forms existing, uh, a prime mover as what God is, essentially, uh, and... Just from from what I've studied in philosophy, that that's th- those concepts are sort of foundational to Catholicism. So he, your so your priest was right, yeah, but he, he was probably not. It was the wrong audience. <laughs> but he kind of explained. But like all, all how, that other stuff is is accoutrement. Like they're just the stuff that you get in church. It's just flowery shit. So so when you but what I came away with is when you press them, they will give you a story that is closer to observational scientific you know putting a uh, a facade of deityism uh-huh. in front of experimental science but unless you press them it's this whole ornate right ritual thing yes yeah but when you get down to it if you have a smart catholic and there are plenty of them but plenty of religious people are very very smart and know what talking about and I've had debates with them and this has come up, and I've been very impressed by the very smart Catholics and classical theists who bring this stuff up because it's very interesting. And while I disagree with it, I, in a certain sense, I can't disprove it. Uh, it it is interesting to me in in a sense the the very classical foundationalism stuff, uh, and it, there is a truth that the Catholicism, or at least the intellectual component of Catholicism is based on those fundamental ideas. So that's true, these fundamental movers. Now, yeah, now all the other ornate stuff, well, that's just... Ritual. People need rituals. And people have made all that stuff on there. The fundamental, basic classical theism stuff does come down to these... Yeah, I mean, so, like, ideas. Catholicism is fine with the Big Bang. Yeah. You know, the, the sticky part was inquiring into what caused the Big Bang. If it, the answer is anything other than God himself, then that's sacrilegious, you know. Right, well, the, the problem there is that truly that's not actually a problem because the Big Bang... was the start. It so, wasn't. Well, okay. it, it wasn't. The Big Bang was a phase change. As far as we understand the Big Bang theory today... The Big Bang was not the start of the universe. The Big Bang was a change of the state of the universe and the start of, and of the current paradigm of the universe that we see. But it wasn't necessarily the start of the universe. We can't go back that right. far. Okay. It was Makes just sense. something something different right. started to happen at this point. Right. But basically, the stake in the ground that the priest set was the thing that happens before the earliest thing you can explain must be God. 
Right. Yes. That's a cla- yeah. That's the classical DSS point is that there is no other explanation for what we're cool with science explaining as far back as it can, uh-huh. but that previous step, God. Right. And that's where that's where the scientist in me and you comes in and says, "Wait a minute, why couldn't it be not God? Why couldn't it be yeah, you know, the uh, opposite, <laughs> red red wire gnomes, right? I mean, what is?" Why? Why are you prescribing something here to a state that you have no experience with, no understanding Financial of? Gain. Well, it's not. It's it's lack of imagination and or settling for something because that's the easy, mm-hmm. that's the easiest way for you to solve the problem, as opposed to saying I don't. As opposed to accepting the idea that I don't know, and that anything that you can come up with is equivalent is exactly equivalent to nothing at all. Right? God versus invisible pink unicorns versus spaghetti monsters versus whatever you want to come up with, they're all exactly equivalent because they're all the same. Mm-hmm. So why does the God hypothesis have more have more power? Only because of a lack of either imagination or, or being afraid of saying, I don't know. Do you unwrap this, or do you want me to go pee while you go pee? Okay, this is interesting stuff to me. As Jeff is peeing, uh, I will see if there's anything in my notes that are interesting here. Uh, This is Jeff's notebook, which he hasn't even touched. Uh, These are our uh, we get media. Uh, notebooks when we went to the Great American Beer Fest in 2015. I think my notebook should be here somewhere. Here it is. Yes. This has been uh, filled with a whole bunch of notes. I'm trying to see if there's anything interesting in here that relates to it. Oh, here's all this stuff about time jump. I. Here's all this stuff about uh, fields. There's definitely field theories. This is uh, Schrodinger equation. Yeah, I've done some stuff in here that uh, I apologize for if it got too crazy. Uh, here is me trying to explain uh, conservation of, of momentum. Uh, oh, we did a... Uh, okay, this is this is cool. This is, I guess we did Day After Tomorrow as a, a Douglas movie's like build a title. So... Throw a mama from the training day after tomorrow land of the Deadpool boyhood. Oh, we're playing. <laughs> I just looking at some of my notes. So we did day after tomorrow, and the the title we came up was Throw a Mama from the Training Day After Tomorrow Land of the Deadpool Boyhood. That's pretty good. Yeah. Alright. Alright. So back to the to philosophical thing. Uh yeah, so you know that that is you know, when I do the, those debate things, sometimes they're really dumb and sometimes they're really smart. Uh-huh. And I get into these interesting you know, topics with these. With, with kind people. of gray area between, yeah. you know, these. And, and there's like, yeah, I mean, there's a point where you're like, well, I, I, we, there's no, like, definitive way to say whether this is wrong or not. I just come at, at it from, I'm not going to assume these things that you're assuming. Because to me, the, the assumption is part of the problem. It's... I, I accept the foundational assumption that rea- that there ex- that a reality exists because I don't know how to operate without that. That's something that mm-hmm. that that that, 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 that you know 
that's okay. We And most of us agree there's a foundation where reality exists, so there's no point in debating that. The debate comes to... Some people, you know, they, they come up with these... R- relatively good arguments for why there should be some sort of fund foundational mover, but can't be shown to be true and don't have any evidence to support it. So you can do all the arguments that you want, but there's there's a failure of reason to, to be able to come up with answers that has been recognized at least since Kant, where just because people can reason about things doesn't mean that it's necessarily true. We have to demonstrate the fact that these things are true beyond just being able to logically reason our way through them because we're much more likely to find ourselves reasoning okay. things well beyond what we've actually proven and they're thus dragons and string theory lies. Alright, so here, here's one for you. Humans are so get, so bad at seeing the big picture. You know, we overeat because food is plentiful. We don't save enough for retirement because it's all about the moment. Mm-hmm. How does all that align with this whole eternal soul type thing? Like, it seems all- like it's the opposite, right? Like, that's the ultimate long-term planning. And, like, so many people, like, are invested in that, but they can't save for retirement or not eat too much for well, dinner. Well, think, think about this. What does it mean... This idea that people go to heaven? What does that mean? Like, I don't know if you watch any of The Good Place yet. Good Place. I, oh, no, I haven't watched it yet. What does that mean? Like, do you just go to another earth and you're just you, but it's just forever and then you're happy forever? What, what the hell does that even... What the hell does that even mean? So I, I told this story before. You like, might I, remember it. I had this conversation with my mom and my sister back before Allie was right, born. Yeah. Where I'm like, you know, even even when I thought there was a heaven, I never saw it as a big family reunion in the sky. Mm-hmm. And that blew my mom and my sister's mind because that's exactly what they saw. It was a family reunion in the sky. It's a fairy tale that they still believe. But like it's like the, the the only thing that I've heard of that makes some kind of like logical sense. I mean again, the logic logical doesn't mean reality, it just means it fits with sort of how I understand the world to work. And I can sort of imagine to be true. Again, logic is just a way of making statements. So this doesn't mean it's true. But like the idea to, was okay. There's a there's a part of all of us that's God. That part goes back to God, but the the rest of us dies away, and your personality, whatever that means, is gone. Just the Godish part goes back to God. But that's not you, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't. I don't know what. <laughs> You know, I don't. I don't get it. I just, I just don't get it. I just don't, don't see what what the appeal is. Because uh, if, if anybody like actually thought about it, where where is that? How is that appealing anyway? That 
you want to live, but not as not you, right? You want to be you. But who are you? What does that mean when I say you? What, when I woke up from surgery, was that still me or was that a different thing? Right. I, when I go to sleep and I wake up, if I am replaced by aliens who clone my body and everything exactly right, then d- delete my original body, would I know? You get uploaded to, a, uh, what was the? The Matrix? No, no, the town in the, the Black Mirror, the California. Oh, town. San Junipero. San yeah. Junipero, yeah. yeah. You upload it there, you know. I mean, is that any different? That that's that to me is, is why the simulation argument fails for me because I don't understand how that's how that means anything. Like, okay, you know, I've said before, where we are a tiny speck of like wet, hot, organic matter living on uh, the skin of this very tiny speck of dust, which is in the atmosphere of this fusion ball. Uh, this ball of gas that is fusioning, which is among 200 to 400 million, billion other fusion balls in this congregation that is among trillions in our observable universe. Does that, how does, how does that, any, how is that any different from a simulation? How does that make us any more significant or less significant than a simulation? I don't, I don't see the difference. I don't see why it matters. All that matters is what we can show to be to, to work out and what we can show to be universally true between you and I and, and, and most people. And we get cool things out of that. Like computers and podcasts <laughs> and and interesting beers and sometimes not so interesting beers. Uh, and you know, water filtration and, and you know, joy and happiness and sadness and all and trepidation and Trump and all the interesting experiences that as far as we know rocks never go through. And that's unique and special and its own kind of scary and mm-hmm. all of that. And it's wonderful and horrible and everything, and here we are. And what are you going to do about it? Look around. That, to me, is is the fundamental thing, is look around and appreciate it, because uh, there's not much, as far as we know of, there's not much in the universe that gets to have this chance. Yeah. <laughs> Shit, there was something I wanted to come in with this and I've forgotten it <laughs> no I agree with you with what you're saying it's uh I don't think I have any good color to add to the whole thing I think you said it pretty well um I'm wishing I I did have something interesting but I lost it shit I I can tell you when I was you know in my you know getting ready for surgery you don't think about this when you when you're driving into work and you you know you could die by getting you know mm-hmm. going to a car crash or whatever. But you do think about it when you're in surgery that there's something could go wrong and I could die. I wouldn't know, right? I, I would be knocked out by the right. thing and some and then oh, that's what I wanted to mention. It's very same kind of thing. Like so, we talked about a little bit ago about how I got from agnostic to atheist. Uh-huh. I. I Realized there was another thing that probably kept me in agnosticville for a little bit longer, and that was the idea of an afterlife is a pretty appealing idea. Yeah, it, it, it's preferable to the existential dread of nothingness, and that was in my head as I'm preparing for surgery. As I'm, you know, as I'm not 
you know, I'm at, at 6.9 on a 1 to 7 scale of atheists, right? Uh, I, Why'd you pick 7? Because that was something that, that Dawkins said. Oh, okay. Uh, I see that, that, that I'm quoting Dawkins. He said, you know, on a, on a 1 to 7 scale, I'm at 6.9. Okay, why did he pick 7? I, I don't know. He's Dawkins. Um, why? Does it have to be 10? You and your fucking mattress. I was just wondering why seven was the ultimate of atheist. I, I don't know. I don't know. On a one, on, on a zero to one scale, <laughs> where zero is theist and one is atheist, I'm a zero point nine 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 nine, but not repeating. So there's some. Yeah, I there's, get you. Yeah. I get you. I just so, was wondering if there was something significant about a, seven. No, there's an existential dread that occurs when you're realizing for some reason, like I said, I mean, I could drive into work and get hit by a bus. And, uh, it, yeah, no, it took, it took work to be okay with this being it. But even, but even me on last Friday ha- was feeling this dread because I don't know if I'm going to wake up. I don't know if, if, if that's the last experience and what does that mean? And I mean, you, you, I don't know if you've had any of this, but I mean, 40 over the hill, your life is statistically half over, right? So, you know, I've been thinking about that kind of thing, you know? I, I, 40 doesn't feel old to me anymore. <laughs> no, but it does feel like death is closer than birth, you know? Right, but again, we, I mean, you get run over by a bus at any time, so who knows? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, still death is closer than birth at this point. Death is death is inevitable, right? No one lives yes, forever. But, but when you're so, closer to birth, it feels like it's further out there. It feels like it's further out there, mm-hmm. but the, but sure, that's the whole immediate gratification, right? Thing that I was it, about it's it's you know we're born dying, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's never there's never going to be a situation where somebody's born, oh, you know, live forever, like, you know, in at least in our organic. Bodies and and, our, and these cells, mm-hmm. and what does that? What does the self actually mean? And, and I, you know, and this is what's running through my mind is all the, all the stuff I know and believe about consciousness, which is that if I'm, you know, it won't matter because I truly do believe that I wake up every day a new person, that the old me dies and I wake up and something new comes in, in the sense of if you were trying to think of some sort of continuous consciousness. So in other words, the consciousness itself is just a built-up construct. There is no real me. There is no real mm-hmm. what is Greg. Because Greg from five five years ago is very different than, than Greg from now. Greg from 15 years ago is extremely different from Greg from now. Uh, Greg uh, 35 years ago is unrecognizable. Um, it's not the same continuous soul. It's a very different thing uh, that I am now that or that, you know, that that what these particles that are me is doing now than what would have been done before so the idea of death itself is something that is in a sense constantly happening uh, death of self in, in, in that yeah. sense but the one time you don't come back well yeah <laughs> but what is that but it's only one time, right? It's it's only one time, and and what do the other parts of you do? And what does it mean when the other parts of you are part of something else? When I saw Pluto, we finally saw pictures of Pluto, and we saw this dynamic world 
that was impressive to me because that showed this tiny world that's out there. You know, I mean, you're, you're tying it back into where I wanted to go a moment ago, and that is it's still evolving. Because energy. Well, there's that. Maybe you're not going the exact same way, but for me, it ties in. And that is, when I was still in Agnosticville, not ready to give it up completely. Is and this is this is back to that conversation with the big family reunion with the guy with my sister. It's like, if there is a heaven, what do you want your heaven to be? For me, I would like heaven to be like this. um, I want ultra HD TV. That has a documentary of what human beings accomplished before they went extinct. Okay. That's what I want to know. I want to know what we will do. That's all I want to know. Show me, get Sir David Attenborough to narrate a documentary <laughs> of what human beings did before they went extinct. But that, and what does that mean? Human play that and, what about- and smack me in the head with a brick and I'm, I'm happy. What about the rest of the universe? What happens... What is what is happening everywhere else? What is I'm selfish. About, I just want to know did, about things that have DNA very similar to mine. Okay, I, I mean, I'm I'm curious about the tardigrades, right? I mean, I'm curious about. Oh, sure, sure. That uh, I don't want to be selfish, man. I'm, I just I'm, want I'm the documentary about, about humans. What's going on in the Andromeda galaxy? I'm curious about. You know what are oh, black holes really? Well, I'm curious, I, I, what is also, dark energy? What sure. is dark also? Matter? I've said before. I've also said before that, you know, a moment of omniscience before you disappear forever. That'd be great, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that be fantastic? Well, yeah, that would. I mean, that would be... Because why would you be scared when once you're omniscient? What's there to be scared of? Well, disappearing forever after that point. But, but you if know, you're omniscient, then you know what that means and what that entails and you don't care. Yeah. Why would you care? That's right. Deep. So that's a little deeper than I could ever get, but you know, it's like sure, I would love to know how the universe wraps up. I so much oh, we're, we're playing two different things here, aren't we? Are we? I'm playing you're playing I thought your Pink Floyd was over. So I started playing this and I just realized yeah. we were kind of like mixing shit together well, for the last was, couple of songs. It was weird. I'm like, wait, this doesn't sound like the album I thought I was playing. It's a good mashup. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, so what I was saying was, sure, I would, I, I, you know, if I got into bonus time and could, you know, learn how the universe fizzled out to a bunch of boringness, nothingness, that's fine. But in my heart, I want to know what humans can accomplish. You know, it's it's my it's my tribe, it's my people. Okay, I, I mean, I understand wanting to know that, but there's other things I want to know besides just what humans do. To me, like that's interesting, sure, but there's more. There's so no, much. No, there's certainly there's always more. I would, my soul would be extinguished in the universe contently if I could see the last. You know, if I could comprehend the whole story until the last human disappears. Anything beyond that is just gravy. What if you found it, out it took work? Like I so so does the, that mean does that mean I'm not going to be satisfied because I'm going to disappear in another forty years? Well, well no, here's here's my it, question: Would you be satisfied if you died and you found out? Well, it turns out ten days later, aliens invade and kill all humans. Yeah, 
That's it. It's a, it's a conclusion. It's a conclusion. It is a conclusion. It concludes the story. It's not a very satisfying one to me. I, I you know, I'm less concerned about the satisfying conclusion and, and just getting the whole story. You don't even have the beginning. Well, that moment of omniscience will be nice, right? To go back to the beginning and get. But that. see, that would give you everything. Omniscience would give you everything. Yeah. So that that would be fine for me. Omniscience about everything. But then, I, but I don't even know how to comprehend that. So what that what that be, even really but, means. But you can comprehend it. It would be satisfying. I would, I, I can comprehend that it would it would eclipse satisfying. Right. It, it, yeah. it would it would it would be beyond satisfying. It would be everything. It would be satisfying in every way it could possibly be. And the, sa- okay. unsatisfying but, but you know, okay, so let's pull it back way, By, way, way. Well, let me pull it back way, way. The things I'm going to be disappointed that I'll never know when I die. That's the thing I'm... Tr- That's what I want heaven to be, right? If I was going to go to heaven, I want it Not to... just m- more time being you and... No, another, no, another it's, it's yeah. knowing the things I'd never know. Right. As opposed to, it's not. It's definitely. The, it's not that big family reunion in the yeah, sky. Yeah. It's knowing things I didn't know. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what that would mean? A, a, like a family reunion in the sky, forever. Well, it'd be joyful because you know you left all your fights on Earth, right? Um. No. No. But part part, part of part I'm of the to good place how, is what does that mean if you get frustrated in heaven? It's an interesting concept, right? I, I really, I highly recommend you check out because there's there's time before other stuff starts. Check out the, I mean, you'll really like it, especially since it keeps building and sure. and it will. No, I mean, you, and you, there's a there's a story to it that you will like. You uploaded them, and I'm sure that'll be one of the shows that Heather won't leave the room immediately when I play. So I'll, I'll put it on. Um, I mean, I've since decided that I'm going to die disappointed. I'm not going to learn these things. Yes, I agree. But for me, the but again, you know, the, the chocolate factory, the the thing to scrimp and save is not for retirement. But if I could actually scrimp and save to gain gain that omni- omniscience, that would be worthwhile. Okay, sure, yeah. That's yeah. the thing, and it's not untainable. So I I had to. Um, reconcile myself with the worldview that makes sense to me mm-hmm. scientifically but there's that desire there's that want you know if i could if i could win the lottery and get what i want that's what i want i could tell you how humanity is going to end that's easy we all die one way or another but how it's in the details did we how far off of the earth Who did cares? we get or didn't we that's fascinating. Our, to me. our robots will continue on after us, most likely. That there. I want more detail. I want that omniscience. I want. We probably, probably, we don't get much further past Mars. And that's not dissatisfying. But I want to know. I, you know, like I said, I know. I've come to. I've reconciled with myself that I'll never know. No matter how much I want to believe in heaven, I'll never know. Uh-huh. Um, but that's what I want, you know. In a perfect, perfect universe, I will know what we accomplished. So my answer to that would be most likely we probably start some sort of limited colonization effort on Mars, and for whatever reason, 
humanity dies after that. Too fucking hard, yeah. Because it's too fucking hard. And Mars doesn't get sustained. We go back to Earth, and then various evolutionary forces take their toll, and we evolve into something else, or robots, or you know, we make robots to replace us, or blah 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 blah, and humans are gone. Because what is, what does being human mean anyway? We're just an intermediate species between one type of ape and another. There, there are people. Even my uncle. I think told me he believes this that uh, UFOs are humanity from the future, or, or, or advanced, more differently evolved humans who are observing the past to their craft. So that's why they look like humans. I mean, it's it's absurd and stupid, but um, it's a sci-fi-ish, you know. Mm-hmm. But that's not humanity, right? At that point, if if they're greys or whatever. That's not humans that you would recognize. So is that human? So would that be a satisfactory answer to you? That- and why would they stick so many things in your butthole? It's got a lot of nerves in it. Uh, it's probably an easy orifice to enter, and because it's constantly used, uh, that that you're not going to notice as much as your mouth or say, you know. So butthole is probably a decent uh, decent way to do probing that's not going to be noticed. What are they probing for? Why don't they just ask? <laughs> Probably because we can't tell them. Buy me a beer and ask me and I'll tell you. Maybe they're more. maybe they're trying to just get probiotics, right? They're just trying to... You know, <laughs> oh, doing fecal that. transplants. Yeah, right. That, that's why they're coming to Earth, for fecal transplants. Yeah, they need, they need these, you know, these better bacteria that don't exist anymore. And, you know, they could probably engineer them, but it's probably easier for whatever reason to just go, go back, back in time, time. And, and get out of people's colons. Difficult <laughs> transplants. Yeah. I think that this is actually a good story that should be upon. That, yeah, like, that's all it is. Like, in, in, in fact, to me, that's a, that, that that's kind of, that's a good comedy premise, is that all they're doing is... Well, it's just more expensive to geoengineer our own bacteria. We just use our time machine and go back and get it from people's butts. <laughs> the pristine <laughs> butt bacteria. <laughs> the golden age of butt bacteria. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was fun. Yeah. We haven't got that philosophical in a while. We kind of tapped out that whole belief system thing like 10 years ago, so it's nice to get back to it. See how we've changed. Indeed. I mean, we've, we've evolved like anything else. And, you know, I'm a different person than I was 10 years ago. And so are you. Bill Shatner. And Ghost of Spoken Foot. Word. <laughs> Actually, it works fairly well. That's yeah. I'm surprised. I'm playing um, Fear of Pop Volume 1, which was a, a thing Ben Folds kind of produced and kind of more techno yeah. electronic music I'm on a, tr- a track for a, a momentary lapse of reason from Pink Floyd okay <sighs> so really the only reason I got Pink Floyd is because it's decent like background mm-hmm. nonsense while I'm just doing stuff it's not like I love them mm-hmm. but alright so that's probably it uh, it's 11.40 <laughs> you don't have to work tomorrow I do so uh Thanks so everybody tell for your gallbladder's acting up, and you got. I I, I could, but I mean, here's the thing: like, I'm 
I don't have as much PTO as you do, and the PTO I've taken already has made it so I probably can't do a. I probably won't. I probably miss out on the fucking eclipse because of what happened. Oh, bummer. I know. But. Maybe you'll see an annular eclipse from here. What? You can go outside for 20 yeah, minutes yeah, and see yeah. an annular eclipse. Yeah. But... So I'll miss, the, I'll miss the eclipse, and that's, that's sucky. Um, but. Uh, eh. Hopefully, it's not cloudy in Kentucky. Yeah. Hope so. All right. Well, at least you're alive. At least you didn't die and have an existential crisis of well, being nothing. Yeah, that's true. Because this show would be pretty fucking boring without you. Thanks. Thanks. I think I could do the show without you just fine. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, no. I, um, yeah. I mean, I think if one of us were to unfortunately pass away, probably the other one would do like a retrospective and then end it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or would you just stop? I, I don't know. I don't know what I would do. I never really considered it. Um, I mean, I've, I, I guess I thought, you know, if you've moved away, I, I was thinking about still doing it. Should I change my plans if you died in surgery? I, I don't... Well, if I get ready, we'll get surgery. If I, yeah. You know, get hit by a bus or try in a plane crash. Or, I mean, we'll have to see how... If or, or die from the Trump Holocaust. I'm too fucking stubborn to quit this show, man. I, I gotta carry sure, on. No, hey, do it. I'm not. I wouldn't complain. I would just, you know, ask that you, you know, respect my memory in some way. Pour one out for a fallen homie every week. That's fine. I'll, I'll, hey, all I would need is, is a retrospective show. Like, like, hey, Greg died. It sucks, but uh, the show goes on. That's that'd be fine. Just a recognition, really. Oh, sure. Yeah, I think I could handle that. Awesome. Well, we're then 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 we're gonna. You're not gonna work. haunt the podcast if I do that. Oh, I'll try. <laughs> I will absolutely try. If I can, I will. If you can't go on the podcast, yeah, <laughs> make it shit fall off the walls. Wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> like, would, wouldn't you want that? If I can, I will try to tell you in any way possible that yeah, ghosts actually exist <laughs> and I can haunt. <laughs> because yeah, why wouldn't I want to be like? That's like, um, I think Houdini said that. He said, you know, if it, he has a secret that he shared with his wife or the secret word or something, and if he were, if after he died, uh, he wanted to try to, you know, he said that he will try to come back and answer this question or whatever, mm-hmm. and of course it never happened. So, but Houdini was like, yeah, I mean, hey, if, if, if there is something, then I want to make it I want to, you know, I want to do it because he was, you know, he he was as atheistic as you mm-hmm. and I. He, you know, right. he knew that all this stuff was trickery and shit. So he was like, yeah, you know, if it's true, I'll, I'll do it. So yeah, if I can and I die before you do, and we're still doing the podcast, I will do whatever I can to haunt the fucking podcast. But what if it like changes you and makes you like an evil like poltergeist type ghost? That'd be. I mean, I see, like, Casper the Friendly Ghost being on the podcast. Yeah. pretty cool, right? Yeah. But, you know, I don't want to fucking polar guys on the show. I, I mean, I, I'd... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I, okay, if... This is all predicated on... Do you still on the, have, like, an acetone aftertaste in your mouth from this fucking no, shit? No, no. I do. <laughs> I took one sip. 
I told you, I mean, you know, that was still that was sticking with me. Frankly, it's it's, it's gone now. Thankfully, uh, have some more nihilists that will help you out. Very good. I, I, I can't promise that if I'm evil I won't haunt you, but I can say I'll try not to haunt you if I'm evil. But if I if I'm able to just you know do a plain old like you know regular yeah like Casper like haunting, I'll I'll do whatever I can to be like hey, it's cool I'm a ghost. Woo! <laughs> Look at me, I got no legs. <laughs> just a torso. That would be awesome. Uh, it, I mean, I. I can give you odds on on the, the uh, chances of it happening. Really? Uh, you could give me the odds? Yeah. Very, very low. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not the odds. That's an approximation. I want the odds. What, what's what's uh, one in... what, was, what was that from, from Rogue One? What, what, <laughs> the ED-209. What, what is the name of the, of the robot that Alan Tudyk played? K2SO. Yeah, he said they're bad or they're high or whatever, you know, whatever it was. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Not good. good. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening to our uh, existential crisis. A couple 40-year-olds talking about their mortality. Yeah, that's right. 